Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 2, episode 9, 13 o'clock. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Bob Hedden, directed by Bob Hedden. Original air date, January 2nd, 1989. Hey everyone, we're back with season 2, episode 9, 13 o'clock. Kim is off again today. She's had a rough couple weeks, so I'm going to do this one alone, and she will be back shortly. I promise. This episode, 13 o'clock, when I first saw the title, for some reason, I I think just because of the number 13, I was sure this was going to be another Uncle Lewis episode, and I'm certainly glad it wasn't. Repeat actors in this episode are David Proval, who played Eric in this episode, and he also appeared in the Badge of Honor as Victor Haas, the gangster, and he is uh, probably better known as, oh no, I can't remember his name, Marco. Marco in Everybody Loves Raymond. And Ingrid Veniger, who plays Sky in this episode, she also appeared as Helen in Vanity's Mirror. Ron Hartman, William in this episode, played Mr. Dowling, and I don't remember who Mr. Dowling was in The Electrocutioner. So this episode opens in a subway station. We're following a guy in a trench coat who's looking shady. He passes a bunch of kids breaking into a vending machine. So I wondered if the person with the antique was the guy or if the kids had something to do with anything. But I recognized Helen from Vanity's Mirror right away. So at this point, I assumed this would be more about the kids than the guy. But that wasn't the case. Sometimes I see somebody at the beginning of the episode and I'm assuming the episode's going to be about them, but then they're dead and, you know, within five minutes. So I wasn't sure if, because we were following the guy, if he was going to end up dead and the kids were going to have something to do with it. But they both had something to do with it in a way. So outside the station, we see a woman following the guy in the trench coat. He gives $20 to a saxophone player. I'm assuming it's a saxophone. I don't know my horns. But then he hits him with a hammer and kills him while the woman follows and watches. So time seems to be important here. He checked his watch before and after the murder. Before the murder, it read 12.45. And after, it read 12.50. So at this point, it doesn't seem as if five minutes could have passed between the time he first checked his watch and after he killed the guy. So I thought the antique... Although I didn't know it was the watch, I thought the antique had something to do with time. But because I knew there wasn't five minutes in between, I thought it had something to do with time moving forward quickly or something. So at two minutes to one, he comes back down to the platform in the subway station with the woman still following him. When his watch hits 1 a.m., the number on the dial changes from 1 to 13, and everything and everyone freezes except for him. And he walks out onto the street and leaves. And the effect was kind of cool. You know, everybody not only froze, but they were all black and white except for him. So, you know, there was no question as to who was the only one. There was no question that he was the only one who wasn't affected by this time change. So for what I assume is the next morning, Mickey and Ryan are arguing out on the street about the car breaking down and who's the better driver. They're supposed to be searching for the chalice of Shakmar, and they have to retrieve it before five. They don't say why. So they decide to take the subway. Then we're back with the woman who was following the guy in the trench coat the night before. And she's going through a drawer and finding the watch. The guy comes home. His name is Henry and he catches her with the watch. So I don't know at this point if they're married or what. But they're gross with all the daddy and little girl stuff. That's disturbing. But anyway, he says the watch was his father's and he 
he kind of gets over her going through the, his drawers kind of quickly as soon as she starts with the daddy routine. He says he has gifts for her, and the first gift was a platinum letter opener, which you could see by her face wasn't impressive. And then he got it engraved, because everybody needs an engraved letter opener. But he got it engraved with Mrs. Henry Wilkerson. I mean, it's the worst gift ever, but the least he could have done was used a first name unless he was, you know, planning to re-gift it to his next wife. But then he also gives her a new car. But later we see Retha, which we found out is her name, with another guy, Eric. So she tries to tell him about this magic watch and seeing Henry kill the busker. Eric doesn't believe her. So now we know that they're con artists or criminals looking to get something from Henry. She wants to get the watch so they can have whatever they want. Eric is worried about going to prison for cheating someone out of her house, and the woman's in a coma, but if she wakes up and tells her story, Eric will be arrested. He needs money, so she gives him all the money that she got when she pawned all the gifts that Henry bought her. I know this is the 80s, and I know this is supposed to be cheesy, but this guy, Eric, they're both ridiculous. But Eric, throughout this episode, it's like everything's her fault. She gets some money, it's not enough. He's got to worry about this woman coming out of the coma, and he's going to go to prison. There's nothing that she could ever say or do, it seems like, to make him stop yelling at her about this woman and and threatening that he's going to go to prison. It was annoying to me, because it happens later on again, too. Back in the subway, it looks like Mickey and Ryan got the antique because they're carrying a box around, but they're still arguing. We also see the kids from the vending machine, and they're making some kind of wager. The girl, Skye, is doing cartwheels alongside the tracks. Mickey's worried because if she falls, she'll be electrocuted. So, of course, she falls, and Ryan jumps in to save her. Nobody gets electrocuted. The girl lands right on the metal tracks. Ryan jumps into the thing. He doesn't get electrocuted. So she gets up and she laughs and climbs out, leaving Ryan down there with a train coming. So Mickey helps him out at the last minute. So at this point, I thought the way the kids were involved was because they were so busy rescuing everybody that they probably stole the box with the antique that they retrieved. But no, they put the box down and nobody bothered with it. Sky tells him that no one asked for his help, and the kids laugh and walk away. Later, Skye and another kid, who we find out later is her brother, eat and laugh and talk about Ryan. The other guy leaves Skye there to go to sleep, but she's not ready to go to sleep. So meanwhile, Henry's out for another stroll, and Retha follows him. But this time, she calls out to him, so he knows she's there. Retha says that she has a right to know where he goes at night, and he yells at her to go home. All of this is happening where Skye is still sitting and eating, so she's hearing all of it. Retha tells Henry that she saw him kill the busker and use the watch. He tries to sweet talk her by saying he did it all for her. She says it'll be their secret and he lets her hold the watch. She tells him what she's figured out. So she must have been following him forever to figure this out. I mean, because, you know, none of this would be the first thing that pops into anybody's head. But she knows he has to kill someone and be in the subway station. And so he verifies her information and tells her that he has to be in the Castle Hill station by 1 a.m. and time will stand still. You have to take care of somebody, right? And then be in the subway? The Castle Hill station at exactly 1 a.m. Stand still. Our little secret, Henry. A promise. So as Henry gets ready to kill her with the hammer, 
I originally thought the hammer was going to be the antique. She stabs him with what I'm guessing is the letter opener, and as I told you, worst gift ever. She sees Skye running away from the scene, but it's five of one, so she goes to the station and time stops at 13 o'clock. She robs a jewelry store, a drugstore, and by the looks of things, many other places. Time starts up just as she walks away with her stuff. So they really don't tell us how long time standing still lasts at this point, so I don't know how she knew, because if she was following Henry all this time, she would have been frozen every time he used it, so I don't know how she would know that time stood still, or how long it stood still. You know, it could have been five minutes for all she knew. So Skye tells Johnny, her brother, his name is Johnny O, but I'm not going to call him that, what she saw. She won't report it to the cops because the cops will send him back to the youth authority. But Johnny's worried that Aretha will come back looking for her. Back at the store, Mickey and Jack read about a murder at the subway station, which happened right after Mickey and Ryan left. They also notice another article about all of the robberies that happened at the same time. The article was unrelated to the murder story. It was two separate articles, but of course they put it together. Jack mentions that a policeman outside the jewelry store saw nothing, so he thinks there's something odd going on for sure. Jack remembers hearing about another murder in the same area a few days earlier at the same time and another robbery to go with it. So they look through the manifest not really knowing what they're looking for but Jack does recognize a name, a last name and it's a watch sold to Bart Wilkerson and Wilkerson was the name of Henry obviously the last name of Henry who was the murder victim in the story they just read. Last night's victim was a Henry Wilkerson. Now look at this. Three years ago a pocket watch was sold to Bart Wilkerson. Here we go again. Evil events from evil causes spring. Aristophanes said that. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So they have this shot that they show outside the store, you know, when we're moving to the store. And the shot they've used over and over again because it is the same bags of garbage and newspapers on the ground. And clearly has Jack's car outside. But Brian gets a call that the car's fixed and ready. So car can't be ready if it's sitting outside the shop. Anyway, just an observation. So over at Henry's, Eric is wondering where and how Retha got the watch she gave him. And again, Eric keeps yelling that if the woman in the coma wakes up, he's going to go to prison. So again with this guy, it's like, yes, he's worried about going to prison. But all he does is yell at her about it. Like she's supposed to be taking care of it. He's doing nothing to come up with a way to keep him out of prison. He just keeps yelling at her. Everything she does, like the watch, he's moved into the house. But that's not good enough because you know what? It doesn't make any difference because I'm going to go to prison. And it's like it's all her fault. Like she's the one who's got to take care of everything. He's going to go to prison. I'm going to sit around and complain. You take care of it. That's what it seems 
feels like. So Retha decides to use the watch to kill the old woman. And I think she already decided that because when she broke into the pharmacy, she got the syringe and whatever she got to use in the syringe. So Mickey and Ryan arrive and they ask about the watch while Eric listens. She tells them that she doesn't know anything about a watch. They weren't married all that long, but they leave her card. So now Eric believes her because somebody else is looking for the watch. As they leave, Mickey says that they should go back to the subway. She wants to find the kids to see if they've seen anything. So they go to the subway and they find them and follow Johnny down an alley, just as Retha and an older gentleman come out of the subway, so they've all missed each other. She's apparently picked him up in order to kill him. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Sorry, never mind. That would be wrong. So they take a walk, and the man kept saying, I never thought I'd meet somebody like you. Of course you're 900 years old. Come on. Sorry. They take a walk. Johnny meets up with Skye. Mickey and Ryan find Skye and Johnny, but they won't talk. So Mickey and Ryan leave leave their card with them. Retha lures Bob into an alley and stabs him with the letter opener. Mickey and Ryan see Retha in the subway station with the watch. They chase her, and Ryan grabs her as the clock strikes 13, so he sees everything stop. She pushes him into the tracks in front of a subway car that at some point is going to be moving again. And he falls on the tracks, is not electrocuted. But when the, when the train starts again, he's able to roll away and get out. He eventually wakes up. They explain everything that happened when they're back at the store to Jack. So Ryan does discover that his watch is an hour ahead of everyone. So they figure out that time stops for an hour. And Jack says that that time is known in the occult as 13 o'clock. Everything was frozen in time like some black and white photo. Yeah, and I didn't see anything at all. One second Ryan was running after her, and the next he was lying by the tracks. When exactly did this happen? It's like three o'clock now, so... Mm -mm, It's two. Your watch must be fast. Touching Mrs. Wilkerson and that watch must have drawn Ryan into the force field so that he was moving through time, just as she was, as the rest of the world stood still. The curse lasts exactly one hour. I'll wager that that hour begins at 1 a.m. like the others. It's a time known in the occult as 13 o'clock. Guy and Johnny are arguing, and Retha is sneaking up on them. She tries to stab Sky, but she and Johnny run, but have a hard time climbing up a fire escape stairs for some reason, but manage to get away. I guess her plan is to kill someone else to stop time so she can find them, because she says that tonight... It won't matter how fast they can run. Back at the store, Jack has some information on Bart. He worked at the Castle Hill station and was fired for being drunk and swore vengeance on the subway system. And I think I forgot to say, back at the house when Eric was complaining and he found out that the watch was real and they were going to kill the woman so she wouldn't wake up from her coma, Retha did say, I have to take care of that kid first. I think I skipped that. Bart Wilkerson was a switcher at the Castle Hill station. He was fired for drinking on the job. Swore he'd get even with the subway system aboard. Lewis's records show that Bart pawned the watch here. Yeah, shortly after he was fired. And about a year later, he bought it back. With a curse thrown in it, no extra charge. That also explains why the curse is centered around the Castle Hill station, too, huh? Boy, Lewis conveniently handed him a way to change his destiny, didn't he? The ability to stop time and have everything you want for one hour. Yeah, this must have been very tempting for him. Ryan reads that Bart pawned the watch with Lewis, but then he bought it back a year later. Jack says that Lewis handed him a way to change his destiny. Bart died a few months back, and Henry inherited the watch, and apparently the knowledge on how to use it 
and all the wealth Bart accumulated while he was using the watch. So Jack figures they at least have a window of time when she'll strike because of the time factor and that she has to be in the station at one. But there's no way the three of them can cover all the entrances and exits. Johnny and Skye, because of Rita's visit, call the store because they're afraid and go to the store. Skye finally does feel comfortable enough to tell them what she saw in the alley. Ryan tells Skye and Johnny what the watch does. Jack tells her that as long as Rita has the watch, they're all targets. And Jack recruits her and her friends to help cover all the entrances to the station. So now outside the station, Rita has another victim. She kills him off camera, or stabs him off camera, and lets him stumble into the station covered in blood to distract Mickey and Ryan. So Mickey runs over to help him, leaving Sky alone on the bench and Eric and Rita grab her. And finally, Mickey realizes that Sky's missing. And I totally forgot to even mention, Rita doesn't want to take care of Sky before she kills the old lady. She has killed the old lady, old lady in the coma. Um, she killed after she killed Bob. She wanted to kill Sky before they left town or went on a vacation or whatever they were going to do. Rita and Eric bring Skye to a bench somewhere in the station and wait for 1 a.m. But Skye sees her brother and Ryan close by, and I think she gets worried that if they're right there when time stops, that Eric and Rita will kill her brother. So Skye grabs the watch and runs inside the train, but Rita and Eric follow her. Mickey screams for help from Ryan and Johnny. They run to pull the emergency switch before the car gets to the next stop. Eric and Rita catch Skye on the train just as Ryan pulls the power. Skye throws them the watch because she figures they can't use it if they're not in the station. And Ryan runs down the tracks. So, again, didn't we hear these tracks were electrified? And everybody's falling and running on them. So, I guess they're not. So, I don't even know why they said that. Why did they even bring that up at the beginning? If, if everybody could just jump on the tracks. Eric and Rita leave Sky on the train because they have to get back to the station before 1. So, they don't kill her. I guess they figure they'll kill her when once time stops. Ryan jumps Eric on the tracks and tries to get the watch from Rita. And he's taken a pretty good beating from both of them. And they knock him out and run back to the station. They make it on time, but Ryan is right behind them and grabs the watch and time stops. But it seems like it only stops for Eric and Rita, and I don't know why, and nobody explains. I'm very confused. I, and I looked in the book. I looked online. So I guess I'm the only one who thinks that's odd. So is it because they did the killing, but Ryan had the watch? Is that why nobody else froze? And they're the only ones who froze? Somebody needs to tell me. It could be I'm just totally missing something. Or I should be able to figure this out. I'm old, so I can't always figure things out like I used to. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am old. But I looked everywhere. And nobody's mentioned it, so I'm assuming that I'm the only one who thinks this is weird. Which means there must be an explanation that I missed. So if somebody could just write a comment or whatever and tell me what the answer to that is. But is that why? Is it because they did the killing? Then they didn't have the watch when 13 o'clock struck? Which I would imagine would happen. But I would imagine that everybody would freeze just like always. So that's why I'm confused. Somebody please tell me what I'm missing. The next day, Jack sends Skye and her brother to a shelter where he vouches for the person who runs it. It's a friend of his. Because they said, you know, they don't want to go home. They belong on the streets. But... At least Jack knows that they'll be, it is pouring here. So if you're hearing all the rain, it just started. So Jack figures at least they'll be safe with his friend that he knows and can vouch for. So the Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a pocket watch that stops time for one hour at 1 a.m., the 13th hour, allowing the user to plunder the motionless world after the owner kills someone. The only warehouse connection I could really find was this artifact was kind of like the barometer from the USS 
Eldridge. That stopped time, but in that case, it was only for 47 seconds. That was in the episode Past Imperfect, where Micah goes back to her old office to search for the guy who killed her boyfriend, Sam. So I liked this episode. I didn't understand the ending. Maybe it's just one of those endings that you're just supposed to let go and say, okay, that's how it worked for some reason. Maybe I'm totally missing something, but I did like this episode. And we will be back next week for the next episode. And hopefully Kim will be back then. I know I keep promising that, but she will eventually be back. Promise. So see you next time. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse. On Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website the13thwarehouse.com on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.